Welcome to Meaning, where we explore how spiritual significance emerges from the life and work of Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis. I'm your host, Chris Bonhoff. Today's episode is a check-in with Plymouth's lead minister, Dr. Dwayne Davis. I'm really intrigued by the the topic that you introduced in our emails of truth telling <laughs> truth telling yeah and the, the reason i'm thinking about it a lot more largely has to do with the class that i'm teaching i'm teaching a leadership survey course for the dmen cohort in leadership at united seminary the title of it is formed and transformed leader and what we're trying to do is you know, we use the word transformation a lot, and even United has a real concentration on transformation. But one of the things that I'm really, the journey that I want to take that class on is how transformation can happen or how in our own formation we can be agents for transformation. I think sometimes transformation is this idealized idealized aspiration you want change other change but how can we be constructive agents in that change and some of that requires you to know well i think it requires you to know who you are Mm -hmm. which by the way that is an ongoing journey (laughs) yeah but but part of what we've been talking more recently in, in forming yourself as a leader or or being a formed leader, you talk about your motivations, you talk about your emotional intelligence. These are some of the words. But one of the things that I'd say the through line is truth telling. Hmm. How do you look at and I'm not talking about truth telling so much as not understanding that a thing happened, often we look straight at a thing happening. Truth-telling to me is the decision we make to name it accurately, even if we don't like it or it's frightening or we don't come out looking good in it. Right. (laughs) Right, and specifically to those points. <laughs> exactly. I mean, truth-telling isn't a big deal if it's... Right, right, right. So, it, and, and the reason I, I think I've been thinking a lot about it later, because this also dovetails with, I think, some things that we've had to, to, to confront, that all churches have to confront, but we have to ch- confront as a church. What, what do we think we are doing, and who do we think we are? The challenge with answering those questions is that we have not, and and I'm including this, all of us, we have not done a good job at truth-telling. In essence, we know a thing happened. We know we showed up in some kind of way. But all of us have a tendency to not confront what really is going on because we've got to justify ourselves. Mm-hmm. We've got to give ourselves a break. Mm-hmm. I, I don't doubt any of those things are necessary in, in terms of how you want to feel about yourself. I also start thinking about it because when you go to therapy, mm-hmm. that's the effort. I remember my therapist, I said something and I interpret, of course, to mean something because he wasn't being rude. But what he was raising in the in the in the in our session at that point was that I have 
gotten a lot of practice in presenting myself. Of course, sure. Yeah. And so in that act, then we are more interested in the contours of the narrative than we are with all of the ways the details occurred. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, this truth-telling has been so powerful because in other parts of my life it's starting to come. So I've been working with the Minnesota Council of Churches on their truth and reparations program. Mm-hmm. And they are still in this phase of doing these events on truth-telling. And it occurred to me in in some of this is that no one denies, especially when it comes to indigenous people and black people in Minnesota, no one denies that there was violent repression and discrimination and prejudice that occurred. And so when people say truth-telling, you know, I think sometimes we want to stop at the headline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there is so much more to be gained, and this is both on a personal level for those leaders that, we, that I'm teaching, mm-hmm. but also at a communal level. There's mm-hmm. so much more to be gained when we don't immediately go to the headline or to the narrative, but start to tell the truth about the parts of the narrative that fill fill it out. I thought about that recently when the Queen when Queen Elizabeth died. It was an interesting thing to talk about the British Empire. And of course there were some news outlets that really did invite people who had been very critical of the empire and and Britain and the UK's legacy of violence. But I also remember that what the resistance was. I noticed, which is very telling, no one disagreed about any of the things that happened. They know that the UK had violently repressed and and exploited many areas in their territory. Mm -hmm. What they were objecting to is interrupting a narrative that they wanted to tell about the Queen and about the UK. Mm -hmm. So this is where that truth-telling comes in, because it's sneaky. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Someone will say, well, I conceded to you that it happened. That's the truth. (laughs) Yeah. But what is going to make us freer, more capable, more honest, more... uh, What is going to help us see each other and see the risks still inherent in being in the world? There are still ways of hurting each other in, in very violent, repressive ways. And if we can't see that and tell the truth about what we have done, what we are capable of, boy, we just, we're going to find ourselves there again. And that is the reason why I think I've I've sort of noticed the through line in this truth-telling thing. And I'll tell you another reason why it's so important to me too, because I did have that reaction to, what's the point of all of this? Mm-hmm. Like, why, why would we tell the truth? I also think in some ways I'm thinking like, you know what? I'm, I, don't, I, I can talk to him blue in the face and no one wants to change. No one wants to, to, 
And then I caught myself, and then I think the reason I caught myself is because if you haven't seen Ken Burns' most recent documentary on the U.S. and the Holocaust, you must. I thought that I knew just about all there was to know. I've been reading about the Holocaust since high school. I thought I understood. I thought I knew. And yet, here's the thing. Here's the most powerful part of it. There is still more truth yet to be seen, and in particular in this documentary. Things that I did not know. Hmm. A truth that had to be uncovered. Not because people intentionally sublimated the truth, but maybe because it didn't fit the narrative we wanted to tell about what that was about. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so what did you learn? Oh, what was the here's, new the, here's the new thing. Information. One, that probably three-fourths, I think that's the, the statistics, three-fourths of all of the people killed by the Nazis, the Jews mostly, were killed in 20 months. Huh. And okay. in the last few years that it, of, the, of the war, those deaths had already occurred. Okay. Second thing, and this is the most important truth that I think we don't really understand, that many in our government knew what was going on from the earliest times. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason that they didn't talk about it and part of the reasons that the, the media did not report on it as much is because they also were afraid of another truth, that if most Americans found out that they were sending their boys to fight to save the lives of Jews, they would not have wanted to do it. Ouch. That's not a story that we've heard before. Yeah. About our country. Yeah. Or about the greatest generation. It's not a story that we heard. And that was the, 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 the most enlightening and the scariest part of that understanding. It also is a reality that we live today. We know that part of the most difficult thing about taking care of the poor or helping people who need to be helped is that we know that when the majority of white people find out that a public policy position would help black people and immigrants, they, their support for it wanes. But I also think about South Africa's Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Mm -hmm. And the reason that always is where I go is because that truth-telling commission, I think, foregrounded something that we don't understand. It, it foregrounded people putting their experience out into the public right so that it would not we wouldn't have sort of a we wouldn't have a broad strokes narrative creating a headline about what mm -hmm. occurred mm -hmm. that you can actually go in and 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 find these these stories mm -hmm. that tell you truth and i think that's of course what what others are trying to do when they say truth telling Here's the, here's the value in the meaning making here. Again, it is a fraught project, I know. Mm -hmm. And 
when someone when someone says to me, what can we, or asks me, what can we do? And, and, and that will be about racism or white supremacy or all of those, the things that, we, that seem so intractable. The one thing I am convinced of is that we are here because we still are stuck at the level of truth-telling whether we can do it or whether we want to do it. And as long as we're stuck there, all of the other aspirations for change and transformation are going to be very difficult indeed to achieve. I would say that the the main thing that I hear mm-hmm. from from all of all of these 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 stories and the through line that you're that you're talking about is that there is there is our cultural understanding of truth telling. Yes. Which is a a legalistic mm. yes. Yeah. Uh, definition Absolutely. of truth. Yeah. The yeah, the the events that took place. The events that took place. Uh, as objectively Observed, right, right, right. But what I hear you alluding to, I think, mm-hmm. is that what happens maybe when that is the sum total of what we think of when we hear the word truth mm-hmm. is that there's a relationality that is missing from that truth, like as that. well as an accountability. Yeah, I, I I love the way you you put that. Yes, because then if 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 you eschew relationality, then you all you you are in some ways not accountable or responsible for what happened, mm. and which is why you can always say, "I am a good person." Yeah. Well, and I also and I think about in our culture, in in our capitalistic mm-hmm. culture, um, really the objective is to just kind of keep keep the gears greased up and moving, <laughs> moving you know right. we need we need progress yeah. we, need, we need to keep doing the job mm-hmm. and so often you know i when i i think about truth telling and like what do you what do you want we are we we all agree that this heinous stuff <laughs> happened. happened yes okay fine let's let's move on <laughs> right right, right. <clears throat> but again there's there's there is there is a lived truth mm-hmm. to experiencing those heinous things right. that 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 is is not really addressed right. in that version of truth telling right and and the the heinous thing that happened is not an objective time-bound event mm-hmm. howard thurman i think said it or or, or described this best Howard Thurman was talking about that moment when we were starting to see the 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 legal the legal addressing of segregation where we were starting to break down the walls and that mm-hmm. the the government was passing legislation and and the Supreme Court was rulings that were tearing down the edifice of segregation discrimination of legal segregation discrimination and he said that, that that is such a wonderful thing that is happening. 
he said, but the internal world, the stuff, the, the soul that created that artifice yeah. is left untouched. And that gets me to thinking then, if what is in us, and this is going back to the, the formed leader where, where the, the students and I are learning together about this, that it is the inner world that creates the world that we see. Yeah. And so to your point, the, even when we say we, we're moving on, we discount that we have been shaped by what occurred and that something in us gave life to what occurred. And those things go unaddressed. And the only way we can begin to address that part of it is get to that part of the truth. What were we doing? What motivates us to do these things? What are our true aims? And can I name them even if the aim is less than altruistic? So the reason I think I'm thinking about this truth is I think perhaps that's some of what I need to think more about in my work. How do I create the conditions for people, both personally and communally, to say what, quote, is true? Mm. What are our aims? What are our fears? What are our desires? Even if those things, most, not most, but many times they are not altruistic. They are self-interested or they are, they are, they are bound up in other hurts and defenses and fears. If you look at it in terms of, a, of, of our nation, which is a little bit different, but at the same time, look at where we are now in our polarization and our radicalization of one of our parties and in our relationship to each other, the, the rise of more, more public vitriol against others. Can that be the outcome of that inability to, to know that we are a people capable of doing horrible things to one another? So that when the horrible thing is over or we come out on the other side, that we remember that we were the authors of that. The, the truth-telling is 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 opening up the space to see the dimensions of the thing that we know happened. Mm -hmm. Open up the dimensions so that we can know the fuller story than the story that we've shaded and, and embellish to tell us what we did. That's what our nation does in so many ways. That's what it did in, in World War II. So much so that when, when, when you talk about the greatest generation or when we hear someone talking about the greatest generation, they talk about it in such lofty terms that you would think that we were not a segregated society or at the right. time or we would not talk about the uh, abuse of the black body and the denial of black citizenship. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even know it occurred. Right. And truth telling says, wait a minute. All of these things existed in one. So now what is the story? What is the story when all of those things existed 
at the same time, challenging us, threatening us, yeah, well, creating us. And, and that makes me wonder that whether a good amount of truth-telling is the admission, uh, the, the recognition that there is no capital T truth. <laughs> yeah. Right, because when mm. you when you open up that space mm-hmm. to to own the fact that your truth mm-hmm. is a flawed truth, mm-hmm. it's a truth that isn't one hundred percent flattering. Mm. Mistakes were made, yeah. and beautiful things were created yes. simultaneously. That opens up space for the the possibility of maybe other people's truths being able to coexist in that same point in time. And then, and then, here, here's where we go with it. Yeah. Here's where we go. Where we go is then if we are looking for solutions or if we're looking for answers or if we're looking for a way of doing something that will, then we'll have more in our toolkit for arriving at it. That will touch the greatest number or it will do the thing we need it to do. And here's the thing. The reason I think, I think this is landing with me. Certainly, this is big, it's some of the work that I'm doing now. But I'm also in this place where I am running out of room, I think, to think creatively about what's going on in 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 terms of racism and white supremacy and 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 police accountability. Not too long ago, I said, I'm just getting to a point where I don't call myself an optimist or a or pessimist. I'm a realist. And then I, I sort of worried about how I looked when I said that, especially when I'm a minister. And mm-hmm. then I thought, well, being a real, realist means that some days I'm optimistic, some days I'm pessimistic. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So I get to move along the scale in some kind of way. But this truth-telling part to me is that I... I am, in some sense, I don't know if I'm speaking helpfully or intelligently about where we find ourselves. And so when people ask me, you know, what's next or what do we do or how do we do this? I'm pretty much at the point of saying, I don't say I don't know, but I simply said, I'm not sure. And the reason I'm not sure is because if there is a if there are steps to say the moment where we have arrived as, as close as we're going to come to a, a an understanding a beloved community of a vision of our our community that makes sense and I'm thinking this writ large or however you sort of but if we come close to it if there is if there are steps to getting there steps like you know you start with truth telling you go to developing relationships in solidarity then you go to sort of imagining what we can be and then you some kind of repair you know that kind of thing if we're on that journey i have concluded that we are still at the truth telling stage yeah and partly because, although it looks like we've been doing it for a very long time, 
and we get new documentaries. We get history mm. books by mm-hmm. the tons mm-hmm. being published about the things that have occurred and yeah. and we new understandings and you know Black Lives Matter and and video capturing the killing of of unarmed black people. With all of that and all that we're doing and all that has been going on, I think if I think about it, we are still at step one. And that probably doesn't sound very hopeful. And if we then do the real work and say, we're going to stay here and do it, even if it hurts, and if it, if it just, if we're going to keep doing, we're going to keep trying, we're going to keep pushing at getting the fuller story out about all of the ways that we have failed, especially indigenous and black people and immigrants and women and LGBTQ people. If we could just keep telling that story, maybe we'll be ready in a, in a real way to move to the next step. Uh, and even if it doesn't come as visibly in my lifetime. I think the work itself, the work of confronting and naming things from all the ways that we can see it, we'll give ourselves a chance. Now there's, I think, where my hope is. And I don't have to see it. What does truth-telling mean to you? Can you think of ways that various narratives, either communal or individual, get in the way of your ability to hear aspects of the truth or our community's ability to hear truth? How do you think about the work that Duane mentioned of creating the conditions in which people can say and hear truth? Thanks to Jimmy Hulse for our theme and to Max Brunel for additional music. And thanks for your attention. If you have thoughts or feedback to share, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at meaning at Plymouth.org. Meaning is a ministry of Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis.